Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the context that has continued throughout the course of history into today's world. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white people about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? Our theme music, We Are Building Up a, New, Up a New World, is Dr. Vincent Harding's Song for the Freedom Movement, sung by a multiracial choir, movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014. It was led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use this song for the podcast. I'm Reverend Jean Jeffress. I'm a pastor in the United Church of Christ in Northern California, serving in what is called the South Bay, or you might know it as Silicon Valley. And I live in the city of Oakland, just a bit north in the East Bay. Both the South Bay and the East Bay exist on the unceded and ancestral lands of the Ohlone people. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white people, white Christians, the idea is that white people will talk to other white people about race and white supremacy. We believe that white people, like many of you listening now, and like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. We'd love to hear from you, especially from listeners of color and from listeners of all different faith traditions who might be checking us out. We'd like to know how you think we're doing. The word is resistance. Welcome to Ash Wednesday, the beginning of our Lenten journey. Lent is the Christian season for intentional reflection, ritual, and repentance. It's a time to take stock of our lives and spiritual practices and work on getting in right relationship with our God. Or in the language that many progressive Protestants really dislike, it's a time to repent to return to God and atone for our sins. It's a solemn time, and it begins with Ash Wednesday, the day we acknowledge our human frailty, our mortality, the day we acknowledge from where we have come and to where we shall return, ashes and dust, the stuff from which God formed the first human, the stuff that forms galaxies, the stuff that is left after every wildfire and every carpet bombing, ashes to ashes, dust. To dust. Now, while the phrase, you are dust, and to dust you shall return, that phrase we always say during our Ash Wednesday services, that phrase comes from Genesis 3.19. The lectionary passage for Ash Wednesday most frequently used is Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 and 12 through 17. Here is today's passage. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, 
Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Who knows whether God will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind God, a grain offering and a drink offering. For the Lord your God, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a, psalm, a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy, between the vestibule and the altar, let all the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples? Where is their God? The context for this passage is the aftermath of a plague of locusts that destroyed all the vegetation, decimating the food source for people and livestock. This, of course, destroys the entire economy. The word of the Lord that comes to the prophet Joel isn't about coming destruction because the people have turned away from God, as we see with other prophets like Amos and Jeremiah. The word of the Lord that Joel receives is a lament in the aftermath of destruction. Chapter 1 in Joel outlines the destruction and all of the ways it will devastate the land and its inhabitants and begins the call to repentance, which incidentally means to turn around or change direction. In this case, to turn toward God. And I just wanted to say that in case any of you were wondering why the people needed to repent because of locusts, since that wasn't their fault. Repentance isn't necessarily about making up for wrongs we have committed or bad things we have done. Repentance is a course correction. It is, I think of it always as turning back toward God. If the context for this passage, that the day of the Lord, the day of darkness and gloom, day of clouds and thick darkness, if, if it's referring to natural disaster why do people need to repent? Even with the definition of turning toward God, locusts don't equal people turning away from God, do they? Maybe it's not the devastation that God is concerned about. I mean, what's done is done. Maybe God calls people to come with fasting and weeping and mourning because God's concern is how the people will behave in the wake of disaster. Some of the ways we know people behave in the wake of disaster, whether a natural disaster or human-made, are hoarding supplies, price gouging, violence, exploiting the weak and vulnerable. Maybe through Joel, God was trying to head all that off, trying to decrease the suffering that people create in the midst of suffering. As hundreds of thousands of people free, flee Ukraine, African students have been denied access to buses and trains, denied the ability to exit the country, have been left out in freezing weather, 
have been harassed and beaten while attempting to leave Ukraine. White supremacy has increased suffering in the midst of suffering. When I read the accounts of what some have endured, I want to crawl out of my skin and just not exist on this planet anymore. And what's sadder still is that I'm not terribly surprised. I'm horrified, but I'm not surprised. Why would I be? Anti-blackness is a global sickness. I unequivocally support the people of Ukraine in this terrible and unjust fight, and my spirit is deflated with the news of the treatment of these students. It may be unpopular for me to name this. I certainly cannot imagine the horror that everybody is going through. I don't pretend to. But if I'm to call out white supremacy where I see it, well, I see it here, and it breaks my heart and breaks my spirit. To learn more about this situation, follow the hashtags Africans in U- hashtag Africans in Ukraine or hashtag Black in Ukraine. But maybe this is why God put on Joel a lament and called people together. I found Will Gaffney's commentary very, very helpful in understanding what God is doing in this passage and what it means for the beginning of our Lenten journey. She reminds us that Joel is not blaming the people for the situation and that the natural disaster, the plague of locusts, is not a divine punishment and suggests that repentance, in this case turning toward God, be read as a rededication. God's lament through Joel asks us to come closer to God, but to come with fasting and praying. This connects to the passage passage to Ash Wednesday as Lent is a time of fasting and praying. God, through Joel, calls everyone together, including children and babies. God, through Joel, says, rend your heart, not your clothes. An outward sign of grief in the context of Joel would be to tear one's clothing. But here, God's not interested in the gesture. God says, let your heart break. Take this in. God, through Joel, calls on priests not to call out the sins of the people, but to pray for the people to the point of tears, Gaffney says. She goes on to say, the prophet gives them a script. Spare your people, Holy One, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the people? Where is their God? In other words, Joel shames God a little so that God may act on behalf of the people. I love how in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew Bible, people don't hesitate to shame God when the situation warrants it. In the midst of disaster, it's easy to forget our humanity, to feel helpless, hopeless, and for either of those feelings to manifest as aggression or paranoia, for prayer or spiritual practice to slip away, for fear to take over. We are human, frail, mortal, dust. Today's passage is the first passage for our Lenten journey. It helps us to remember who we are and whose we are. This is the story of a people being gathered together in the middle of tragedy to remember who and what God is, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Dr. Gaffney says, This core description of God is foundational in Judaism and is repeated throughout the scriptures. See Exodus, Numbers, Nehemiah, Psalms, and Jonah. All of these use forms of the root room, R-H-M. 
meaning womb, to express God's tender love, often translated as merciful. Raum is the deep love that springs from the womb, no more separate than the heart is from the heartache. God's lament given to Joel is an invitation to God's people to return, to rededicate, as Dr. Gaffney says, to God. This invitation comes in the midst of tragedy, of disaster and devastation. Sometimes I wonder if that might be one of the only times people might accept such an invitation. The people are asked to repent, but not because they are bad, but because God has something for them. In a time of absolute devastation and loss, a time that could be perceived as punishment, a time when, when people are demoralized and desperate, Joel tells us that God is waiting for us with a love that is so tender, so merciful, so life-giving, like, deep, like the deep love that springs from the womb. So much so that when we return to it, we do so with weeping. For everything we've lost and for everything we can never lose, when those collide, that is the place where God's deep love holds us. It is both beautiful and painful. Now, I'm no paragon of spiritual disciplines. I usually will commit to something for Lent, but the rest of the year I'm inconsistent. Sometimes I do prayer practice or quiet time. I go in and out of practices to help take care of my mind and body. But also, I am prone to spin in, in anxiety, and then my practices are eating carbs and binge-watching crime shows, staying up late for no other purpose than to just be tired the next day. Maybe some of you can relate. So I want to leave us with a question. What would it be like to accept God's invitation? To show up weeping and praying and letting ourselves be enveloped in the wombful love of our God? What if our practices this Lent were rooted in that? My call to action this week is to check out hashtag Africans in Ukraine and hashtag Black in Ukraine, where you will see the stories of what people are enduring. I put some Twitter handles in the resources. There will be links in the transcript also. And also check out the links in the resources about locusts in East Africa. I'm looking for places to donate for both the African students trying to get out of Ukraine and the locust problem, but I've not pinpointed any yet. If anyone out there knows more about this, please put links on our Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining me from wherever you are in this world today. Let us know how your action goes. We'd love to hear from you. Please comment on our SoundCloud, Twitter, or Facebook pages, um, and tune in for a resistance word next time from Nicola Torbett. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org. Our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search the word is resistance. You can find us on Spotify. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Transcripts are available 
on our website, which includes references and resources. Finally, a huge thanks, as always, to our sound editor this week, Claire Hitchens. Thank you so much, Claire. Blessings to all of you and all that you do. May God's wombful love overtake the madness of war at some point in our time on this earth. Until next time, I'm Jean Jeffress.